0: If you have a Bible this morning, turn with me uh, to the book of Acts. Let's go to chapter 16, verses 25 through 40. I want to look at a topic this morning uh, that speaks to our hearts, so pay attention. The gospel and living for Christ, and that's good, but notice the title. The gospel and living for Christ, it brings trials. I don't care who you are and how long you've been a Christian how less of a Christian or how longer you've been a Christian, whatever the time, you're going to go through trials. Trials are a chastening from the Lord. Trials are are, are reminders from the Lord. He has to chip away the old man. He has to chip away the old woman. He has to get a hold of us. And the hardest part for me is I, throughout the years, I see Christians that really go through trials, uh, such as what we've seen in the Middle East right now, People are being beheaded for Christ. People are being burned to death for Christ. Women are being raped for Christ. And so we all go through our trials. Some Christians are going to go through trials greater than others. And so we've been studying the life of Paul and Silas now. Let me give you a little bit of background because where they're at right now, they're incarcerated. Paul and Silas in Philippi in the region of Macedonia doing the work of God. Doing the will of God. Being obedient to the Holy Spirit. And remember, they wanted so desperately to go to Asia. And the Holy Spirit stopped them in their tracks and said no. And, And for Paul, that's very hard because he's headstrong. And so they were diverted to the area of Macedonia there in Philippi. And their success story in Christ as they led Lydia And her household, a seller of purple from Thyatira, they led them to Christ. We determined she was a woman of financial means. Those that sold purple, uh, the dyes, that is, it was a woman of means. And there she was, selling her wares at Philippi. Then Paul met up with a servant girl, and she was possessed with a foul spirit, a demon spirit. It was witchcraft. And so Paul, uh, wisdom from God, discernment of the Holy Spirit, he calls the Spirit out. For this, Paul and Silas were beaten by the magistrate. Uh, They gave direction. They were beaten severely because the servant girl's masters, their owners, were angry because she brought them financial gain. Now, we find Paul and Silas in the inner prison, and we determined that last week. They're not just in the prison, but the inner prison was considered the dungeon. And there's been excavations, and they've seen these places where these type of criminals were placed. And we know they were beaten. And we know that they were not cleaned up of their wounds, but they were put into stocks. And and here they are in the inner prison. But they're serving God. What crime did they do? but being obedient to the Holy Spirit. And I think sometimes that's the hardest place for us because we respond when something's happening to me, when something's happening to you, our response many times is, Lord, why is this happening to me? Lord, I love you. Lord, I go to church. I read your word. Lord, I give up my tithes, my offering. Lord, why is this happening to me? Oh, I've been there, church. And the response sometimes should be, why not you? You see, trials are good for me, even though I don't like them. And and I tell you, as a minister, as a pastor, I have taught this passage many times. I've read it. I've studied it. I've uh, gone through it in a devotional time. And when I read verse 25, I say the same thing. Paul Silas, don't do this. Don't be singing praises unto the Lord and praying in the midst of your trials because I don't do that sometimes. And see, trials, now listen to me, uh, two effects in my life. Either I'm going to run to God or I'm going to run away from God. Now, I've learned through the years. I give in to the trial. And I said, okay, Lord, speak to me. Okay, Lord, minister to me. And I draw closer to God, listen, uh, through the trial. I find myself reading more. I find myself praying more. I find myself on my knees. I find myself lifting up my hands. Lord. And then I go to the book of Job in chapters 1 and 2. And Job lost everything. He was a man of God. His wife says, Job, curse the God that you serve. Look at you, you're a mess. You're sitting there in a heap of ashes. And you got this piece of pottery, and the best you could do is to scratch. He had boils from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. Curse the God that you serve. What did he respond with? The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And so we're going to see the reaction of Paul and Silas here. A beautiful A passage of scripture. Again, the gospel. I love the gospel. I live for the gospel. I live for Christ. And yet trials come my way just as well as trials come your way. Uh, Most of you know Pastor uh, Saeed Abedini. We've been praying and praying. Three and a half years later, he's released from prison. Now he has another trial. Him and his wife are separated. They're asking desperately for prayer. That time of him being away should have changed him, should have transformed him, but he comes out and he wanted to pick up uh, where he left off. There is abuse in his marriage. It should not be. And then you start to think of his culture, his background is Middle Eastern. And we know in the United States of America, uh, spousal abuse will not be put up with. And I thank God for the law enforcement in that area. Come on, go get them. And I trust, trust me, I saw it all my young life. My dad used to beat on my mom. And I wanted so bad to grow up and to beat him up. And lo and behold, eventually, it stops. And lo and behold, the hatred that I had for my dad, God saved him. Brought him to saving grace. I miss my dad now. Uh, he, he's in heaven. He went home to be with the Lord. But he got saved. He got born again. He got filled with the spirit. And so spousal abuse is so real. Pray for Pastor Saeed. But let's begin here. The trial of Paul and Silas in verse 25. But at midnight, remember, they've been beaten to a pulp, basically. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying, and they were singing hymns to the Lord. And the prisoners were listening to them. The witness, the testimony that you can be to others around you. They are in the inner prison, as we've shared last week. They're in the dungeon area, beaten and bloodied, affixed to stocks. That's the way we saw them last week. Uh, We find them praying and singing praises unto the Lord. But in the presence of the jailer and others that were there in the dungeon also. Radical statement. I want you to listen to this passage in Psalm 42 and verse 8. In the day the Lord pours out his love to me, but at night I sing songs of praise and I pray unto him. I hope and pray uh, in the midst of your trial or no trial that you have a time with the Lord to pray. You have a time uh, to sing praises unto God. This is why the, uh, up here in the mornings before the service we have the worship team. They're not up here to entertain. They're up here to praise God, worship God, lead you in worship. The worshipers in the Old Testament led before the battle. It's important, church. Look at verse 26. And suddenly, so they're praying, uh, they're worshiping God. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake. And so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately, all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed. Now, they were praying. But I don't hear prayers as they did for Peter and John when they were in prison. Was Lydia and her group that had just recently come to the Lord? Uh, Do they have enough unction? Do they know to pray? Have they heard that Paul and Silas are in prison? Uh, We don't know if anybody was praying for them, but they were. They were worshiping God. They were praying. And so uh, Lydia and her family, I hope and pray that they were. But God knew that they were in there. A supernatural move of God. Not just a shaking, but a great earthquake. I I come from Southern California. I understand earthquakes. When Mary and I were first married, and probably a year or so after our marriage or two years later, uh, we were living in this apartment unit. It was a beautiful bay window. And we felt the shaking. We got shaken out of the bed, basically. And and I jump up. They tell you, don't go to a window. Where did Bob go? Right to the window. I never seen earth ripple. And I saw that. And I go, wow. I was shocked. You know, 20 seconds, 10 seconds. But it was a lifetime. And you know you're in an earthquake. California's had their share. Oklahoma right now has had a good-sized earthquake. And they are not known for that. And so what's going on right here? A supernatural earthquake, I believe. A shaking, I believe. God does a move here. Now it's interesting, in Acts chapter 5, verse 19, Peter was released from prison by an angel of God. And they were praying for Peter. But here there's no no angel of God. It's God himself, I believe. And the earthquake came. Now you have to know, The Roman culture at the time. Watch what happens to the jailer. And and verse 27. And the keeper of the prison. Awaking from sleep. And seeing the prison doors open. And listen to this statement. Supposing the prisoners have fled. Drew his sword. And was about to kill himself. The jailer knew the scenario. Roman law said. You paid the price. For a lost prisoner. Either you took up his sentence or you got death. Either way, he knew it. And so you can't blame him. He says, well, I'm done. And you know he, he tied them up good. He put them in chains. But remember, he was also listening to the praise and worship. He's also listening uh, to the prayers. Did he know about Lydia? Lydia? Does he know what's going on in the city of Philippi? God has arrived. Is there a witness towards this jailer? Because something desperately happens here. Notice verse 28. Uh, It says, and Paul called with a loud voice and he said, do yourself no harm for we are all here. I don't believe it was just Paul and Silas, but I believe there was other prisoners. We are all here. I love this. Paul's wisdom, he knew the jailer would try this death move. Notice that Paul cried out, we are all still here. Was it just Paul and Silas? I don't believe. Or were there others in the dungeon? Your witness, your testimony in the midst of your trial. Listen to verse 29 now. And he called for a light. This is the jailer. Uh, This gives us good result. They were in a dungeon. It's dark. It's damp. We know that. He called for a light, some type of torch. He ran in, and he fell down trembling. The word trembling here in the Greek, he was terrified. He was shaking in his boots, as we say. And he was there before Paul and Silas. This inner prison was no picnic. It was a dungeon area excavations have been done. Without the ability of light, a torch of some kind had to come in. No sunlight. But this man is trembling. He's terrified. Fear of the power of God, I believe. Or was it that the praise and worship moved him that much? The Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. When we speak about the fear of the Lord, I'm not concerned that he's going to come down and whack me. I mean, we have that concept, but I'll tell you what, once you learn the grace of God, but the fear of the Lord, it's translated out this way, it's the reverence of God. It's the reverence of God, and man, this guy heard it all. How long were they tied up? It's that same day, but it's finally the evening now something's taking place. It's a supernatural thing. And so the beauty here, look at verse 30 now. And he brought them out and he said, Sirs, what must I do uh, to be saved? What must I do to be saved? If you're here this morning, you still haven't come to Saving Grace, this is your text right here. They ask a beautiful, beautiful, simple question. Uh, Paul and Silas, or Sirs, what must I do uh, to be saved? Now, Remember, whatever you're going through, good or bad in the trial, God has your back. The promises of God, I I will never leave you nor forsake you. I like this promise, Jesus said, I am with you always, uh, even to the end. How much did this jailer see? How much did this jailer hear and experience? And, And the last straw, this great earthquake this great earthquake, they're gone. That's what he said. I must kill myself. No, it's not God's plan for you to kill yourself. And I want to speak very candid right here. I've been in the ministry over 30 years. I have done my share of memorial services, funeral services, and it's a suicide victim. Just recently here in town, Uh, We had two gentlemen that committed suicide. I get sick inside when I hear about a suicide. You see, because God is all about life. But the devil is all about death. He wants to search you out. He wants to destroy you. He, He wants to take advantage of you. This guy's ready to plummet himself or just lay down on the sword. We're still here. Don't do it. And I understand the hardest funeral services I do is when it's a Christian that has committed suicide. Pastor, did they go to heaven? Pastor, did God forgive them? I have to say this. When you commit suicide, you're not the same. Depression has hit you, has brought you to that place. Depression is real. I don't neglect people that that come to me and say, Pastor, pray for me. I have depression Severe depression, I'm under medication, I do this, I do that, and sometimes I'm, I'm at my wit's end. The enemy uses that. Somebody comes to you for prayer because they're depressed, don't let it go. Pray for them, encourage them, minister to them. And, and if any of you here this morning are or, or listening to the teaching later, depression will come. Get into the Psalms. The Psalms will soothe, as they say, the savage beast. I get into the Psalms, and God speaks to my heart. Because the Psalms are generally, uh, many of them are about King David and the trials, the tribulations, the hardship, the pain that this man went through. And at the close of the particular Psalm, he says, Lord, thank you for hearing my cry, Lord. Depression is real. And if the doctors prescribe medication, please take it. This is what happens to suicide victims many times. They give up completely and totally. God's plan is not death. God's plan is life. Now, let's get back to verse 30. Uh, Did the jailer know about uh, the witnessing that took place at the river that we shared last week? Did the jailer know about Lydia and her household? They came to saving grace. Did the jailer know of the story about this servant girl, this slave girl, that was possessed by a foul spirit? Paul calls it out. You see, word got around. There was no newspaper. There was no television. There was no radio. There was no texting. And so word of mouth, and words got out there quick. And so Paul and Silas, I believe this jailer knew exactly their background, their lifestyle. And now they're calling out. uh, They're calling out to Paul. Look at verse 31. And so they said, this is Paul and Silas now. They said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And understand this, and you and your household will be saved. Now, we have to be very careful. Mom and dad are saved, or mom is saved, dad is not saved. That doesn't mean automatically dad is saved. It means that he can come to saving grace. I'm saved, you're saved, your spouse is saved, but your children aren't. And I believe God wants to bring them into the kingdom of God. But salvation is a personal relationship with Christ. A personal relationship with Christ. I cannot save you. Listen to this. You cannot save yourself. Salvation is only through Christ. Now, salvation, in my opinion, is very simple. You raise your hand. You acknowledge Christ. You receive him as Lord and Savior. You confess your sins. Uh, if, if you don't have time, uh, you see a death death situation head on collision coming and you just cry out oh my God is that enough only God knows only God knows is it coming from the heart oh my God save me is that enough how many people made confessions of faith at 9-11 when the towers went down the first one then the second one there was a lot a lot of the Holy Spirit moving around in New York, because I went six months later. Trials bring us to our knees. Now, uh, bottom line, after 9-11, 2001, right? New York's back to same, same position they were. There was a New Yorker that went with us named Kevin, good friend of mine. He's up in Roswell now, Border Patrol agent. He's chaplain, so he went with us. And he says, Bob, this is not real. These New Yorkers are acting strange. This is six months after 9-11. He says, I know New Yorkers. I'm one. They're mean. They won't put up with you. We had a cart full of tracks because we went to set up a prayer tent. And the cart broke in the middle of main road, the main, right there, downtown Manhattan. It broke. Tracks everywhere. Cars are backed up. Light turns red. Kevin goes, nobody's honking. People got out of the car, helped us gather our our, our wares. He goes, that doesn't happen in New York. They would have pushed you with a cab. They would have got you out of the way. Salvation is from the heart. The scripture says those that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, I believe... You come to salvation, but there is a battle for your soul. If you've never studied it, you need to study Matthew chapter 13, uh, the parable of the sower and the seed. Many times Jesus used parables to, uh, in a story and to get a hold of you. In the parable of the sower and the seed, uh, we see four hearts. It, it's a farming term. And we know that the sower is Christ. We know that the seed is the Word of God, and the sower comes and he casts the seed. And we know that the first seed fell upon uh, the top of the ground, and it never germinated. Never took. The birds came and, and took it away. A lot of times that happens to people. They they say the sinner's prayer, but there's no growth at all. The second seed fell on rocky soil. And it took for a season, but nobody removed the stones, nobody removed the, the rocks, there was no discipleship. And, and again, that seed died. The third soil uh, uh, took, took for a season, but the cares of the world, it speaks about the, the weeds that came. Nobody cultivated, nobody took out the weeds and nobody cleaned it. And eventually they went back to the world. The fourth heart is a seed that took and germinated. And it brought forth fruit. 60, 80, 100 fold. I believe in eternal salvation. But you have to come to the cross. Now. The jailer comes to the Lord. What about his family? And I want to share this because people walk away and thinking, well, I'm saved. My kids are saved. Remember, just because you're saved does not mean your husband or your wife or your children are automatically saved. Each family member must come to a personal relationship with Christ. Please go home and study that parable of the sower and the seed. It's beautiful. Look at verse 32 now. And then they spoke the word of the Lord to him. Paul and Silas speaking to the jailer and to all who were in the house. Now I believe the house of this jailer, they opened up. I believe they came to save in grace because baptism is going to take place. But it takes prayer. I'm sure that this jailer went back and said, man, you will not believe what happened. And there's two guys there. Whoa, do they have an open door to heaven? That's your witness. That's your testimony. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and and to all in their household. Once the heart is open, listen, softened by oil and wine, as the old song says, we are pliable and we are open as the Holy Spirit moves on the heart. Oil is symbolic to the Holy Spirit. We know that. Wine has a lot of different references. It speaks of gladness, it speaks of sweetness, but it also speaks of the blood of Christ. That's what we partake. When we partake of the communion service, the bread is His body, uh, the cup is His wine. We do this in remembrance of what took place. But I want you to listen. We we grew up with this old song back in 1978. I didn't come to saving grace till 1979 when I heard this song by Keith Green. It broke my heart. And he speaks about the oil and the wine. Keith Green, my eyes are dry. Listen to the lyrics, very simple. My eyes are dry, my faith is old, my heart is hard, my prayers are cold. And I know how I ought to be alive to you and dead to me. But what can be done for an old heart like mine? Soften it up with oil and wine. The oil is you, your spirit of love. Please wash me anew with the wine of your blood. That's salvation, church. You cannot come to Christ until your heart is open to Him. Otherwise, you're like the first three uh, sealed seeds that fell on ground that didn't take. You see, a lot of people come to Christ for a lot of reasons. A broken marriage, a broken relationship, a death in the family. And it moves on you. And so you respond to Christ. That's good. But there has to be follow up. There has to be follow up. That's why we have the discipleship classes here at the chapel, and we're going to start them up again. Because when you come to Saving Grace, you have to grow. It's good to come Sunday morning, it's good and great to come Wednesday night. But are you studying the Word of God on your own? Are you praying? Are you reading? Are you going through your devotions? And so the enemy comes quickly, and he'll snatch it away. Be careful. Go back and Google that song and listen to it. Keith Green, he went home to be with the Lord, in my opinion, too early. But God knows. God knows. He left beautiful music. Look at verse 33 now. And and he took them the same hour of the night and he washed their stripes. We shared that last week. Nobody cleaned them up. They just put them in stocks and took them there uh, to the, uh, the inner dungeon. Notice that it says here. And immediately... He and all his family were baptized. They had to come to saving grace in order to be baptized. Notice the changed heart of the jailer. Once God gets a hold of you, the Holy Spirit comes upon you afresh and in you. You will never be the same. In fact, it gets better and better as the days go by. Uh, the jailer washes them, Paul and Silas now. He washed and mends their wounds. Then further results after salvation water baptism water baptism takes place for the jailer water baptism takes place for his household baptism was identified with Christ in his death very important to me we identify in his death salvation comes from the Lord not from water baptism. Be careful, please. Look at the analogy. Uh, the work of salvation is the heart. Water baptism is the outward man. In Romans chapter 6, Paul teaches, Reckon the old man dead. Reckon the old man, the old man dead, the old woman dead. We identify with Christ. Look at verse 34. Now, when he had brought them into the house or into his house, he set food before them, and he rejoiced having believed in God with all his household. Uh, the Greek is telling us here that they were having fellowship together. The word fellowship is koinonia, it's communion, it's oneness with God in fellowship, breaking bread, praying, reading, studying, testifying uh, with brothers and sisters in the Lord. All of this is fellowship. Fellowship is good. We're going to have fellowship tonight with our Valentine dinner. And again, if you're available, please come. It's a beautiful time just gathering together. We try to do it as often as possible Uh, the men were trying to get together with men's breakfasts once a month it's good Uh, the ladies come and get together right now studying the book of Philippians it's a beautiful time church but notice what happens to Paul and Silas now at daybreak now it's all night since midnight Paul and Silas were still in the dungeon Verse 35, and when it was day, the magistrates, remember those guys, sent the officers, saying, let those men go. Wait a minute. You beat them before. (laughs) And now let them go? The Lord is going to give Paul wisdom. Paul's a Roman citizen. They don't know it. He's going to use it for his advantage. Uh, But these Praetorian guards, these officers, they were the rod beaters, if you may, and the Romans were called lectors, and their technical name was Lectors. They said, let those men go, Paul and Silas. Why this sudden change? We can only be guessing at best. After the earthquake, after the commotion had ceased, did they know they were in stocks and chains? And it does not not say, did they come to grips uh, with uh, the air of their way? And now they've been loosened from the stocks? The air of their way, what they did to Paul and Silas was injustice. Did someone tell them? They were unchained by the power of God. And now under supernatural, listen to that, protection protection I've been a Christian long enough God sends his angels they are protectors they are combatants I'm convinced that angels keep us out of a lot of trouble do we have each of us a guardian angel could be it doesn't tell us directly but I know God dispenses angels some of you I know some of the problems you've gotten into you probably have more than a guardian angel You probably need a small little troop, you know, the things that we get into. But uh, God was protecting them. He sends his messengers. Look at verse 36. And so the keeper of the prison reported these words to Paul now, saying the magistrates have uh, sent sent to let you go, have sent us to let you go. Now, therefore, depart and go in peace. I like this. These guys want to wash their hands of this deal. Go in God's peace. I can just imagine they could say that. I would have said, the Lord heard your worship and your praises and your prayers. You have been set free. Go in his peace. But what did Paul do? What did Paul do? The next verse. Paul should have taken off. But he didn't, church. Look at verse 37. And Paul said to them, they have beaten us openly, uncondemned Romans. Very important there. And have thrown us into prison. And now do they put us out secretly? No, indeed, Paul says, let them come themselves and get us out. (laughs) Here's my take, right? Paul, why do you have to rock the boat, Paul? Let it go, Paul. Leave quietly, Paul. Nah, that's not Paul's nature, is it? He wants action here. He's got a good gripe. He's a citizen of Rome. This shouldn't have happened. Uh, One of my favorite commentaries, Jemison Fawcett and Brown, uh, listen to what he said. Paul knew the law of Rome. Roman citizens were not partakers uh, of such forms of cruelty or punishment. Paul now pointed out that his legal right as a Roman citizen had been violated. Uh, This beating came from the Jews or from the city officials there at Philippi. Rome never governed it. They did it on their own. Could it be that they took from these masters of this little girl? They took bribes? Could have been. Were they bought? Whatever reason, but uh, listen to what. Uh, Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown, they're saying that this was not right. They violated Roman citizenship. Uh, He and Silas had been punished without proper legal procedure. Paul said, we are uncondemned. Paul insisted. He insisted that the magistrates now treat them, listen to this, with courtesy and respect due to a Roman citizen. If they wish them to leave town. Paul no doubt. Took this position. Not for self. Vindication. But listen to this. But that the small Christian community. There in Philippi. Might not be left without. uh, With a shadow hanging over them. Also. Lord willing. No further persecution. Would come to the small church there. Paul knew his his law. He knew the Jewish law. He knew the Roman law. He's going to use it again later. And Silas, he doesn't say much, does he? Hey, I'm with Paul, right? Did Silas think, Paul, don't rock the boat, man. We can go now. But Paul knew his rights. And I believe the Spirit of God shared with him. Look at verse 38. And the officers told uh, these words to the magistrates. And they were afraid when they heard that uh, they were Romans. Uh Uh-oh. Their gesture was good. Hey, tell them to go. This is something supernatural. We don't want to touch it. But then they get word. Paul doesn't want to leave. He wants you to come. (laughs) I like this. He heard that they were Roman citizens. A fear set into their hearts. Beating a Roman citizen was unheard of unless found guilty in a Roman court of law. There was none of that. They are walking on eggshells, as they say. I believe Paul was being led by the Spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit was telling him exactly what to do. Now, why didn't Paul bring this up earlier? I don't know. When they brought out, when two or three guys come out with those sticks, I would have said, hey, wait a minute. Roman citizen here, buddy. Paul didn't do that. The Bible says Paul took several of these type of beatings. He took beatings with lashes, and he took beatings with stakes or poles of some kind. And church, they didn't just beat on you, they beat on you. They opened up your back. And so... Listen to verse 39 and verse 40 now, the conclusion. And they came and they pleaded with them, and they brought them out and asked them to depart from the city. Uh, Listen to one of my commentaries, what it said. Uh, They came and they apologized. And they take that out of one of the translations of the Bibles, And they came and they apologized to Paul and to Silas and then begged them, asking them, please leave the city quietly. You have to understand the Roman law. You see these magistrates and then sending these proter- proterians that came to beat them uh, it was unheard of, it was unlawful and the magistrates, the proterians, everybody, everybody's in trouble here. If they find out that they beat on Roman citizens they could lose their jobs and if not lose their jobs they're not going to go further in, in the Roman kingdom. And so there's a lot at stake here, but Paul wants an apology. I like that. Look at verse uh, 40, and I, I believe that they did come, and they apologized because then they finally are relieved. And so they went out of the prison. They entered the house of Lydia. Remember Lydia, the, the, the lady of the cellar of purple, her dyes her wears. and her wares. And when they had seen the brethren, they encouraged them. They encouraged them, and then they departed. Paul and Silas no doubt agreed as they came. And I hope and pray it was an apology. And after visiting the believers in the house of Lydia there in Philippi, she was not in Thyatira, her hometown. Notice that they encouraged them. Paul and Silas, the word encouragement in the Greek is they comforted them. You know, they they took care of them. Maybe cleaned up their backs again. Maybe dressed their wounds again. Maybe gave them some good meat, some good food, vegetables. I mean, they took care of comfort, hospitality, encouragement. And how else do you encourage without, and you know, you're encouraging their physical need. But what about the encouragement in the Lord? Encouragement in the Lord. This is fellowship. I believe they had time of prayer. I believe they had a time of uh, studying the parchments, God's word. I believe they, they had a time of testifying back and forth. I believe they took time to share about God's love, God's love. I love sports just like any other guy, but I don't watch sports as much as I used to. And gathering around, you know, And talking about sports. I I can do it for a season, that's about it. I'm all excited that my Los Angeles Rams are coming back, but you know, that's not what it's about. I like when I get together with the brothers, the sisters, and the Lord and and we talk about God. We talk about the things of God. Now at your workplace and such, I understand. And some of your family members I understand. But it's beautiful when you get together with believers family, friends, loved ones, co-workers, and you can share Christ, share God's love. You know, my son was going through this. I prayed for him. Mom prayed for him. Our siblings prayed for him, and, and you were able to testify. This is what happened at Lydia's house. Now, when you comfort, when you encourage, it's done with love, God's love. Agape love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. No matter what trial, tribulation, hardship, or pain, no matter what you're going through, no matter what I'm going through, God has my back. God has your back. And he knows what you're going through. Please go home tonight and just read Job chapter 1 and 2. Job chapter 1 and 2. It's believed that Job is one of the oldest books of the Bible. We have Genesis, yes. But it could be that chronologically Job was right after that. Job went through life. He lost everything. What always triggers my heart as Job's servants were in line, one behind the other, And each one came in with a disastrous report. Job, you lost all your camels. Job, you lost all your crops. Job, all your servants are gone. Job, your children are dead. What that man went through, unbelievable. But God gave Satan permission to tempt his servant Job. Because God knew his servant. God knows what I can handle. God knows what you can handle. Even right now, again, with Pastor Saeed Abedini, God knew what he could handle three and a half years incarcerated there in Iran. And now he comes out. God knows what he's going through. God knows what his wife is going through. My heart goes out to her as well. She was just going all over the country, she was lobbying for him. And now their marriage is pray that they get back together. Pray that they let this go. It's hard when you talk about different cultures. We've seen all the movies, we see all the you know trailers and such and news reports and we see how women are degraded. Saeed needs to know that he has a god-fearing wife and as christ died for the church the husband is to die for his bride the husband is to die for his bride i hate washing dishes but i have to from time to time i've thought about buying a dog and letting him lick the place but that's not gonna work right <laughs> i'm just kidding stand up let's end with a word of prayer Father, we thank you, we praise you, we worship you. In the midst of trials, Lord, in the midst of hardship and pain, uh, we see Paul and and Silas uh, singing praises unto the Lord and then praying. And you brought this supernatural earthquake and set them free. But you were not done yet. You wanted to get a hold of the jailer. You wanted to get a hold of the jailer's family. Uh, Lord, I love how you work in families. Many times we see domino effects. The first domino has to go down and then the rest are going to follow suit. And so, Lord, we pray for the body of Christ here at Calvary Chapel. Those that are going through the trials and there's a lot of our brethren that are going through trials right now. A lot of cancer in our fellowship. And, Lord, we pray for them. We ask you to set them free, Lord. Lord, bless the... And the Valentine's dinner tonight, draw the people by your spirit. And Lord, bless the offerings this morning. As you've given to us, we give back a portion. And it's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen.